Hey guys, we're back. Uh, R squared fantasy football after a long hiatus is back for the off season. Uh, we just made it back in time for the trade and free agent frenzy. So I think we kind of wanted to break it down, see what's going on. Um, I'm Ian. You can find me on Twitter at dynasty. I am. And I'm Akash. You can find me on Twitter at YZR underscore fantasy. And we're going to just jump right into uh, kind of the first major section of news before free agency really hit, which was Amari Cooper's getting traded to Cleveland Browns. So we can kind of talk about that trio of last year's uh, Cowboys receivers, Gallup, CD, Cooper, kind of what we can look at going forward. Yeah, even Dalton Schultz, like. Yeah, got franchise tag still there. Gallup got the five-year deal. Kind of crazy. Not as much as Christian Kirk's money, though. So. No, no. That's, uh, uh, that's number three wide receiver in the league money. Of course, Christian Kirk's worth it. Never had a 1,000-yard season. Don't think he's ever been – yeah, he's never been top 24 in fantasy points per game, but uh, I think Drew's liking it nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, so Amari Cooper, um, I think the first thing that – we should kind of hit on is that CD lamb and Amari Cooper are no longer teammates, which I say this because kind of the, the narrative or a lot of what you see when you see like Amari Cooper or especially CD lamb hype about him, like ascending into that wide receiver one territory is that Amari Cooper is on the team and he's holding him back from getting that alpha target share. Mm-hmm. Or like it, it's also being said with Amari Cooper sometimes where it's all right, Amari Cooper's now on a new team. What's holding him back from, a major target or massive target share when CD lamb isn't with him anymore. The problem is it's not really a normal thing when you have two guys at 20% target share or less to both be holding each other back. Cause that's kind of saying that no one's outfitting these targets. Like there's no one that's, that's taking the alpha amount of targets away from anyone. Right. No one's stepping up as the alpha. And so they're not really holding each other back. They're just both being fake alphas. That's a good way to put it. And I think that Cleveland is probably, I mean, we, we obviously don't know what's going to happen, but Cleveland in a wide receiver sense is probably one of the worst places that you could go. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of like a, a Odell Beckham Jr. Who, yeah, he wasn't his alpha target share Odell Beckham Jr. that we saw in New York his uh, with his time uh, before it ended in Cleveland. But he, when he left, his peripherals were still good. He was like an 18% target share guy. He was solid yards per run. He was he was being a good wide receiver, just not the Odell esque. But his fantasy stock was being absolutely nuked by a bad passing offense, low volume passing offense. And I don't track this, but I remember uh, looking at some metric that was out there that Cleveland is one of the worst with their wide receivers in fantasy football, just because. Wait. Most of their team targets are going mm. to uh, other positions other than wide receiver, unlike most teams. When was like what's uh during what range of years? Uh, it was when um it was just last year. It was a stat Uh-oh. from from last year, and it was when Odell left, and mm-hmm. they uh it was just a stat. I wish I had it on me, but it was yeah. When you're paying both Austin Hooper and David Njoku <laughs> big money, that's probably going to happen. I don't know. Yeah, you probably need to give them like. 14% target shares, 10% target shares, call it good. Capping each other. Um, but yeah, Amari in Cleveland is probably going to continue being the same Amari. 20% target share guy that we've seen for his entire career. It could be a low-volume offense again. Uh, of course, there's never any guarantees like we saw with Baltimore last year. There's always a chance that teams pass more because passing volume is, is very turbulent year to year. But 
unless that's like very priced out and i don't think i'm gonna have a lot of amari cooper at all because he's never been uh a guy that to dominate targets going to this offense that hasn't been great for wide receivers uh a low volume offense and changing teams typically leads to a downturn in production so i don't think that i expect amari cooper to be great for fantasy i think he could be um like top 30 but other than that i don't expect much more than that yeah and his peripherals like we've been talking about where he's like this 20 percent target share like target share guy that he has been his his whole career he's probably going to do that again next year wide receivers typically like when they go to a new team they don't drastically just get worse mm-hmm. um sometimes we see like a little bit of a target share drop because you have to get used to the new offense or whatever it was but we really don't see them not be who they have been especially when he's he's still going to be 28 years old by the time next season starts. So he's not at that age cliff yet. But the problem is when we're looking at this. So Amari Cooper had that 18, 20% target share with the Cowboys who were passing at a mediocrely decent volume. They're about middle of the pack, maybe on the upper end, especially this last year. And then he was also playing with Dak. And like just looking at the last like four years, three of the four years he's putting up above a 6.5% TD percentage, which is really good. The problem is that when you go to Cleveland, and especially if Baker Mayfield's the quarterback, you're not exactly going to have that super high efficient passing offense. Like Mm -hmm. if I was to look at uh, just last year, what Baker's TD percentage was, it was 4%, which it's not, not great. It's not terrible. Like yeah. it's not. A, it's not being on the Denver Broncos bad, mm-hmm, very which we'll hit on later. But it's not. It's it's a difference from Dak, where Amari Cooper is putting up that six seven percent touchdown percentage, which helps you a lot in fantasy. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's a good point. And then now the part that everyone's like really come here for: Does Amari Cooper leaving make CD Lamb better at football? Fundamentally, no. No. Why? Tell me. Well. Uh, kind of like what we said, a player is who that player is. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people kind of trick themselves into like when a new player gets into a new situation or a player leaves and that, that player is all of a sudden boosted into that wide receiver one quote unquote role on the team. Mm-hmm. But the the problem is that these players are who they are. So whether they're like, let's just take Amari Cooper, for example, because he's someone that's played for seven or eight years, like, it's pretty nailed down who he is. The problem is Amari Cooper could go to the Cincinnati Bengals, let's say, and he's a wide receiver three putting up around like what he usually does. He's the wide receiver three on the team. Mm-hmm. The difference is that there's not a difference if he were to be in Cleveland and he's the wide receiver one because he's still going to likely earn the same percentage of targets that he has his entire career. Right. Going over there doesn't just make you instantly better. Mm-hmm. you're still who they are otherwise we would see we would see all these things where like players switch teams and all of a sudden they become this alpha target share dominator right. that they were out of nowhere like there's or just we would see marquez callaway break out uh last year instead of putting up what like nine points per game i thought he was the wide receiver one on that team no it's not how <laughs> well, it that's a great example too because not just marcus <laughs> callaway think of last year how many especially redraft mm-hmm. uh just looking at the year ahead think about how many people had a detroit lions wide receiver and they're like top 20. The, like uh i think it was tyrell williams was like the big name in like the top 25 of redraft wide receivers like really i didn't i don't remember him that high i remember getting him a lot of uh like round 19 ish 
round 20. In, in redrafts? Yeah. Yeah, well, I might be thinking of like one or two specific tweets that I remember where he was mm-hmm. uh, top 25 redraft. But that's still, even, deal, even, yeah. even putting him top 40 is pretty egregious because mm-hmm. that's not who he's been his entire career. And just because he was playing with a team that really didn't have a ton of options, it right. doesn't exactly make you better. It doesn't mean you're going to all of a sudden just earn way more targets than you ever have. Right, which sidebar, like like that the the fact that Amara St. Brown did what he did, even if he even that he did, uh his all, all of his production mostly came from when Swift and Hawkinson were out. That doesn't mean that he's gonna be worse when they come back because he still earned his targets well while they were out and he still produced well. So I I, I don't find myself buying a lot of the Amara St. Brown narratives that pop up, but a lot of people think that Chark's going to supplant him or anything when they play completely different roles. I don't think DJ Chark's going to end up lining up in the slot or anything or stealing his targets. So, quick sidebar there. But yeah, I, I do expect CeeDee Lamb to remain. Uh, he's gonna, I think he'll be a productive wide receiver too yet again. You know, it's a high-volume, efficient offense. Uh, I think his route participation could go up because it was around like 80% last year. And so if it does go up, we could see a slight bump there. But I don't think it's going to be enough to validate all of the people that think he's top five or even close to that. I think he's just going to be a, a good wide receiver too. Yeah. And I mean, I could see him being as high as like a fringe wide receiver yeah, one. Yeah, like- wide receiver one. Yeah. Because he's he's on a he has a good quarterback on a good mm-hmm. efficient offense that passes the ball a decent amount. He can catch and, and catch enough touchdowns. CD Lamb's good. Yeah, he's he just good. He, he's just not this uh, alpha target share. The problem is <laughs> when when you have all these because there's a ton of good wide receivers that come up, a ton of good wide receiver prospects. You don't mm-hmm. actually have a ton of alpha target share wide receivers in the NFL. Right. It takes a lot to be make it in the NFL, and it takes a lot to dominate in the NFL. There's only a few players that do it. Yeah. So, like, that's that's kind of the issue is that C.D. Lamb's really good. You're just, just putting him overrated. in that range. Yeah, you're just putting him in the range where there's these 1% of wide receivers that are insane. Right, exactly. Next, we have uh, Russell Wilson traded from your beloved Seahawks to Denver. Like you were talking about last year, Denver's offense was horrible, and they threw very little touchdowns, and they had very little production. So what do you expect from this offense now? Like, Does Russell Wilson make Jerry Judy better at football? Um, well, I'll, this one actually goes into the last one kind of well because mm-hmm. we talked about TD percentage and efficient offenses, like you just said. Yeah. And quarterbacks are the ones that basically make your offense more efficient because they're the ones that are throwing touchdowns more commonly per attempt. Like mm-hmm. the good ones are the, the ones that make your offense really good. And Russell Wilson yeah. is clearly one of those. Um, I posted his career TD percentage and compared it what to like six uh, point. Here, I'll pull it up. But I posted it on uh, Twitter and I said, yeah, this is like way higher than what the Broncos quarterbacks have been. Obviously. Six point anything is really good. Yeah. yeah, and then it's the third highest apparently. It's a yeah, they've always six, been a efficient offense. Six point two one percent career touchdown percentage. Damn, that's really good. Nice. And that's career, so that's that's pretty good. Right. And then so so then I, guys like uh, Cortland yeah. Sutton and Jerry Judy, like yeah. you and I have been saying, they don't they aren't actually going to get better at football. Mm-hmm. Typically, usually I think like, the, yeah. They could like uh year year one to two year two to three is where you typically see like wide receivers do the improvement the most improvement mm-hmm. like in terms of like their peripherals and stuff like that. But yeah. one thing that Russell Wilson will do even 
like because Jerry Judy has been good, not great. And then last year was hard because he had the high ankle sprain and then came back. But he was still someone who posted like CD Lamb type target share numbers, type peripherals where he's good. He's a good receiver. He's just not that upper echelon. But something that Russell Wilson can do that Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater can't is take you from getting zero percent touchdowns on your targets, like literally zero percent and his first year with those other Bronco quarterbacks, 2.6%. And even guys like Cortland Sutton, 2.04%. Like they yeah. just they just aren't getting uh, lucky in a way because touchdowns can be whatever, but it's just not an efficient offense. So yeah. what Russell Wilson does is he can take you from someone who, say, take two of the exact same years. Let's take Jerry Judy last or Cortland Sutton last year. Let's say he finished like RC or four, probably ish range. Four or someone, five. It was bad. It was not great. Yeah. He had like he finished with like nine points per game. It wasn't great. Yeah, I think uh let's see here. Yeah, eight point seven points per game. So he's probably in that range. Mm-hmm. But he's someone who could put up the exact same like peripherals. And when I say peripherals, I'm talking like target share, yards per run, uh whopper, like those things. He could do the exact same thing he did. And Russell Wakes Russell Wilson takes him from like a wide receiver four to a fringe wide receiver two. And that's saying he yeah, puts up I think exactly. It's just I think because the touchdown percent. Right. I think um something to like keep in mind for Judy Sutton, a little bit of Patrick, but not really Patrick because he doesn't really fit in this. That the their failure, not failure, their lack of production in the in season last year is partly their fault. I would think because it's partly to the fault of their quarterbacks and their offense being bad, but it's also on the wide receiver they are also not producing, and so. One of the best things to look at for our receivers is production. And so those guys simply weren't very productive last year. So I don't think that Russell Wilson is just going to come in and save them and make them very productive. But I think he can make them decently productive more so than they were last year for sure. Yeah, I think the point that you and me are trying to hit home with what quarterbacks do to offenses are that wide receivers Mm -hmm. are themselves. Wide receivers are going to do what their talent level, basically who they are. The quarterback Mm -hmm. can take takes um either takes that player and it makes your production worse than the peripherals are or it makes your production boosted from where your peripherals are so like like what we were talking about with Cortland sutton like Cortland sutton's not going to be this like magical wide receiver one now because russell wilson's in his offense no Cortland sutton's gonna be Cortland sutton but he's going to catch more touchdowns. He's going to have more opportunity to catch more passes. I'm assuming because because the offense is going to move the ball, the ball more, mm-hmm. um, and the offense as a whole gets better. So yeah, yeah. It, quarterbacks just take they either boost the talent or they uh, they decrease it in terms of production. Comparing that, right. but quarterback change elevate. who a wide receiver is. Yeah, yeah. Quarterbacks elevate wide receivers. They don't make them. Exactly. Like the like I think the way we were, uh it was DK Metcalf and Cortland Sutton were getting compared and Tyler Lockett and Jerry Judy. That was well, awesome. that, that's yeah, that's the problem is that DK Metcalf has early career Julio and, Jones peripherals and, and he got boosted by, was like Gallup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then Ty, Tyler Lockett is criminally undervalued. Mm-hmm. Like people like 
people are saying that Jerry Judy is better when Quillen, when uh, Tyler Lockett's been productive for so long and Jerry Judy hasn't been that productive. That's just uh, people getting blinded by what they thought of Judy as a prospect. Like, I get the excuses for Jerry Judy, and I'm not saying they're invalid, but Russell Wilson being there isn't going to make Jerry Judy into Tyler Lockett, and it's not going to make Corden Sutton into DK Metcalf. Yeah, if uh, if Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf went to Denver with they would Russell Wilson, they would probably... Uh, both of them would lead the league or lead the team in targets. I would, yeah, I would definitely put money on that. And then, speaking of quarterbacks elevating their wide receivers, we're once again going to have to deal with um, our target share true thing being um, uprooted by Tom Brady making one of the most high volume and efficient offenses in the league and making fake alpha Chris Godwin and now fake alpha Mike Evans continue to produce probably like top 12 wide receivers, if not high wide receiver twos yeah uh and then we can kind of keep the same theme going like you said so for chris codwin when he says he's a fake alpha so chris godwin mm-hmm. in fantasy to this point is crazy just turned 26 years old he's yeah. been he's been uh, basically everything you'd hope for he has a top five finish he's got mm-hmm. two wide receiver one seasons three wide receiver two seasons like he's, he's been, been great very very fantasy good very productive Mm-hmm. So he's a very good uh, he's a very good receiver, like we talked about. But when we talk about like peripherals, where like players are getting boosted based like off of those from what their quarterbacks are doing or their offense as a whole, that is yeah. Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin, he's never touched a twenty two percent target share in his career. The closest he mm-hmm. got to is year three, twenty one point nine percent, and I believe that was the year he finished wide receiver two with Jameis. Yeah. The thing is with these with these uh, quarterbacks that he's getting um, in Tampa Bay and uh kind of the system is that first of all they're they're Tampa Bay Bucks since Brady has got there let alone when James was there has been throwing 40 plus times per game like they're at the top of the league each year Brady's been there mm-hmm. so is 21% target share could give him the same amount of targets because of the offense that a 27% target share Terry McLaurin gets say for example mm-hmm. and then you add on top of that cuz he has Brady and we know Brady's really good really efficient throws a lot you get Godwin in these years where he's putting up these wide receiver one top five wide receiver seasons. He's putting up 7.37% touchdown uh, percentage, mm-hmm. 7.4, 8.3. Like just, wow. just it's the lowest one he had in those four years of just dominance was a 4%. So mm-hmm. that's, that's something. That? that was uh, this, um, 2018? This last year. This last, oh, year. last year. Interesting. Yeah. He's been, he's been really productive in, in Tampa. Like the, like he's gonna be productive again this year, barring like um, a bad return from the ACL injury. He's probably he's I I um talked to a physical therapist the other day and said he said that um Godwin was iffy to return for week one, and so I wouldn't bet on it, which is why he's like a soft sell for me right now. Like I'm not like panicking on him, but I'm looking to pivot off of not only because of the bad the mediocre peripherals because I still expect good production this year, but also because a lot of people i think are just forgetting about the acl injury and yeah. ignoring it and they're just excited for him to continue producing with brady so i'm, I'm kind of looking to pivot off of that but when he's on the field he's gonna probably be putting up wide receiver one numbers again yeah at least and for I one think, year with brady i think right now especially or i guess like later in the season when he is playing are probably the best times in dynasty to pivot off of your chris godwin shares and right. like Kosh saying, like the reason you do it 
is because his peripherals are good, but it's it's not uh, reflective on how good he's been in fantasy. So mm-hmm. we know Tom Brady's could retire next year, like as yeah. soon as next year. He literally retired, and Chris Godwin is coming off an ACL injury as well, but he's still valued as a top 14 wide receiver-ish. Mm-hmm. So you're that's about whenever he's coming back, let's just pretend it's half of a fantasy season or something like that. So you don't get half of a fantasy season. You get solid peripherals just boosted by a really good offense. Yeah. Or you could pivot off those and you could get a really good wide receiver who just needs the boost or is in a much more stable. uh, I mean, it's hard to say if ever a situation is stable, Mm -hmm. but just, just a more stable asset in general. Right. And then, Gronk and Lenny haven't resigned as of the recording of this video, but if they do resign um, with Tampa, I do expect him to continue to be productive. Last year, Leonard Fournette wasn't he like fourth in points per game. Gronk was third. It's a really productive offense, and then they just signed Russell Gage. He could be he could be top thirty with his okay peripherals and um, if he's really efficient, but top forty for sure for uh almost for sure nothing's ever a guarantee yeah russell gage is going to go from an offense that threw 40 times per game to an offense that throws 40 times per game and scores more touchdowns awesome winning (laughs) yeah he's not gonna i don't know i i feel like for his fantasy value it's like an okay spot because it's going to be efficient but he's just going to get alphaed by the other two guys yeah i i I don't think he's a bad value at all or anything yeah he's pretty cheap yeah. Same with um Tim Patrick in Denver. Like he's kind of a forgotten like Tim Patrick's a forgotten man, but he has very similar peripherals to the other two guys. Like it was the same thing last year where he had similar peripherals, similar production, but he's also free. He was an undrafted free agent, I guess. He's older, but people don't like him, so take him for free because he could have like twelve, thirteen, even more points per game, you know, with good variance. Yeah. And then I uh just going off of Albert uh, Okwebenam, overrated. Yeah, he's uh no, no. I, I think he's so. actually uh, well. Um, if I looked at Twitter timeline, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. I think some people think he's like top gonna be the seat now, which is yeah. Too but then on keep trade cut, he's tight end fourteen ish. Last I checked. Okay, that's and a lot I more think, digestible. I th- nice. I think he's a dynasty tight end one, just because he mm-hmm. he was a. Uh, he was really good on low uh, participation. I think yeah. he won't be like like so. He's someone who's around like a two in yards per run. Uh, like he's he on really low volume because he's right. not getting a ton of routes. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think that efficiency will come down a little bit yeah. because he's getting more volume. But at the same time, he's going to be locked in with Russell Wilson. He's like has solid peripherals up to this point. Like. I think I put that he's like a Jared Cook is who I could see him as like a Jared Cook and okay. a good offense with Russell. That's interesting because your Rue had like very little production in it. I like think uh, more than his Rue. I think Jared uh, Cook was the um, the best. The best. And then when I looked, they were really close. Like Jared Cook was someone who, in his second year, had low Rue participation, but was a two around a two plus um, mm-hmm. yards per run guy. Like that's not bad. It's really efficient. I, I would take the, the unknown thing. of Alberto over some guys in his range be just, just because there is upside because of the athleticism and the yeah, offense. And just think about a think about a Dalton Schultz that actually mm-hmm. his peripherals weren't good. Like he wasn't that good. He was just in a or good a efficient Knox. offense. Yeah, good efficient offense. 
Right, except, you know, I would, I don't know, I might take Alberto over Dawson Knox just because the unknown upside. I think I would too. Yeah, that's something I've just decided right now. I've made my stance and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it because Dawson Knox was totally boosted by touchdowns last year. He was like Robert Tunyon, but worse across the board because he wasn't as good as productive yeah i want to look right now at uh what his td percentage was because probably like eight or nine or something <laughs> you sold Ten? too low 12.7 what the heck 12.7 is actually Am I allowed to curse what the hell dude yeah. oh my god 12.7 is insane that is insane what was uh tanya nat in his uh breakout year I don't even think he was that high, but look right here. He had like 11 touchdowns off 59 targets. He had to be that high. He was probably like 17 or something. No, um, he's probably like 19. Oh, okay, okay. 19, okay, okay. 20? <laughs> 18.6. Okay, 19. That's, okay, that's actually insane. That's actually pretty high. And now he's free because he tore his ACL, and I've, I got him in like the 25th round to start up. Oh, in yeah. Places. Tunyon's someone that I would probably pick up if he's like that free option. Right, because... Sometimes you just need a guy who's shown to catch touchdowns. Yeah, and Rodgers threw him touchdowns, and Rodgers is there. Exactly. He's a, he's a restricted free agent, I think, but he could come back for cheap just because hometown deal uh, for a guy who got injured. Mm -hmm. Seems like they liked him, but I don't yeah, try to and dig then, too deep into that stuff. All right, Zach Ertz and James Conner back in Arizona. Both of them probably very um, – both of them are probably going to be productive next year. Um, they both scored a lot of touchdowns last year, which definitely helped their numbers. But I'd expect low RB one numbers for Connor, and then like top eight ish numbers for Ertz, as long as the offense is efficient. Yeah, Ertz will probably be a tight end one again. Unless he falls okay. off, there's always a chance he lands on that coin. Same with Connor. Yeah, yeah. and the the problem with Ertz in Philadelphia was that like him and Goddard um, were kind of splitting routes essentially like they were really low route participation and then they both get away from each other and we see both their numbers spike because they're getting used in the receiving game a lot more which is yeah what you want with your tight ends so yeah Ertz, Goddard's, Ertz is probably a tight end yeah. one again Goddard's been was good when Ertz was gone like he had really good numbers in that like if you mm -hmm. split the data I'm not big on splitting data but there's definitely a case to be made just because the route participation went way up and he got like a full role and he did well in it so yeah I like the potential there. I'm also speaking to James Conner. I think he'll be probably like an RB2 again. Um, he's proven to get volume. He's proven I think he be in... that he can be productive. Um, mm. The part that I wanted to hit on with that was that I've been asked or seen a lot of Eno Benjamin after this Chase Edmonds signing, and he's not coming back, and you need to go grab Eno Benjamin right now. The problem is I feel like we yeah. see this a lot um, – with, they'll sign someone they'll draft someone yeah so i'm saying we see this a lot like in the offseason where someone goes and it's like all right we'll grab this option because it's there yeah we love getting running back to the path to opportunity but the thing is he's unproductive never done anything bad prospect mm. and he was a uh, seventh rounder and he got he was a healthy scratch for every single game of his rookie season he was a healthy scratch for multiple games last season until chase edmonds got hurt and he stepped up i guess he was losing snaps to uh, Jonathan Ward, because Jonathan Ward actually plays special teams, I would not be wanting to invest much in you know Benjamin. If he's free, maybe I'll pick him up and stash him because maybe someone wants to buy him from me, but I'm not interested in paying anything. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna 
get yourself to like a hundred percent exposure on Eno Benjamin because he's so you think he's so cheap and free everywhere, and then come late April they're gonna take like Damian Pierce or Rashad White <laughs> in the fourth round or something like that, and you're not gonna be happy. Right? Just, like, but then you can cut him easily. Yeah, yeah. Like there's I, a I, small chance they go with him as their RB two, just because. You never know. Like maybe they get sniped a bunch in the draft, or a guy they like isn't there, mm-hmm. and so they're like, "All right, we're not gonna reach on someone else. We'll just roll with Eno and see what happens." Yeah, Eno is basically uh, like if he's free, take him because there's <laughs> that chance that he could. Like that, that's just my stance. There, there are a lot of bad players. every running backs though. Right, there are a lot of bad players I talk myself into if they're free enough. I hope ninety percent of them are running backs though. Like yeah, mostly. Yeah, when I'm looking at like trick myself into a few Frank Darby vacated targets, you never know. (laughs) Maybe someone's willing to pay me a third for that. Yeah, I mean, I I probably have like a KJ Osborne share, uh, (laughs) probably a couple. Osborne isn't bad, honestly. I don't hate Osborne because he's like everyone's written him off because he's also an undrafted free agent. When he was, he wasn't good, but he had okay production. Yeah, the problem is that he's a wide receiver, so ten points per game is fine for free. Yeah. Although I don't know how free he is, I guess. I think he's probably like uh not on too many waivers, but you're also not gonna buy not on waivers, kinda... no, but like a eighteenth round startup pick. It's like would you would I rather have him or Josh Palmer? I'd probably pick KJ Osborne. I'd probably pick Josh Palmer for the because uh, of Josh Gabriel? Tra- no, because oh, it's probably easier to trade. That ship has sailed. Mike Williams is there to stay, I guess. So yeah, I, but... I think that ship is sailed. Yeah, but I've heard that he's very productive with his targets, very efficient. But no, but that was only when Mike Williams was out. Oh, right, because the the two games that Mike Williams was out, he scored touchdowns. So now he's going to continue that efficiency. He's going to have a touchdown every game. That's every game that Mike Williams is going to have a touchdown. He's gonna he's gonna approach that uh, Robert Tunyon um, touchdown percentage. That Gabe Davis touchdown percentage. I think I think what we need to do is I need to find one day just go through and find mm-hmm. someone to finish like as a tight end one wide receiver one, like whatever at their position of one with the highest touchdown percentage. And then anytime that there's like a player like that, I'll say, Oh, he can have the Robert Tunyon award or something. Like I would that. love that. I love yeah. How big of a smack cam is it for all of us to be laughing about, Oh my God, is Christian Kirk going to sign with the bills and totally screw over all the game? <laughs> just for him to sign with the Jaguars and totally screw us all over who loves, who mm-hmm. still love LaVisca Chenault. And probably how, screw, and probably screw all the people over that loved Christian Kirk. I mean, yeah. he is a much more attractive option in Buffalo. I agree. Sometimes. Yeah. Just catch more touchdowns from Josh Allen than uh, Trevor Lawrence. Probably. Now that offense is going to be a mess, but I still I still like Visca. I think he still have a role. I'm not. Um, yeah, we can scared. hit on Visca now. We've we've uh, transitioned into it pretty well. Oh yeah, I'm great at these transitions. I'm a seasoned veteran at podcasting now. You know, it just it comes naturally, and so seasoned vet. Yeah, so I I posted this uh, gif in the um, in the in Drew's Discord when the news broke. I was like, life finds a way. Stay the course. I'm not going to sell low <laughs> on Visca just because I signed a guy who's never had a thousand yard season, who's never been top 24. I'm not going to follow the money, so to speak, um, with Zay Jones either. Uh, I like Evan Ingram, but I liked him before I followed the money on him. And I still I still believe Visca can be fine. I think Ingram have a solid role. I think if that offense takes a good leap, he could catch a few touchdowns, end up as a top 12 guy. 
uh christian kirk probably still gonna have okay production like a 20 percent target share efficient efficient from the slot but um i don't think that it totally screws visco over i think he'll still have a role on this team uh i got a question for you okay is evan ingram a dynasty tight end one is he um damn it now i gotta go check i forget okay, names I'll, I'll give you i'll give you nine nine names oh, let's just play either or probably... let's just play either you don't you want to play okay. either or yeah yeah we can okay let's play either or because it, it'd have to be a fringe because you're not going to put them ahead of like Pitts, andrews kittle kelsey waller goddard as Van much as i would love to no i don't think i would yeah so that you're we're already looking at a fringe dynasty tight end one so okay. let's start uh albert o or evan ingram ingram i just i like the guy who's okay. done it yeah, has earned targets before. Yeah, I'd rather bet on that. I think I don't know. I'm not a big tight end guy. You're really putting me on the spot here. Okay, I try okay. not to well, talk about tight ends as uh, <laughs> if I can handle it. David uh, Gutierrez is better than me. So if he like He's if he was to listen to this and then text me or and something and be like, "You're completely wrong," I'll probably <laughs> listen to him and be like, "Okay, maybe you're right." Because I just treat them as big wide receivers sometimes. With that, when yeah. that is always the best uh, thing to do, they kind of are. They kind of are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, then I'll, then I'll just throw one more. Uh, right, Dawson right. Knox or Evan Ingram? Uh, Ingram. That's pretty okay, easy one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I would rather have Ingram over fancy Robert Tunyon. Yeah, I think so. Uh, one, well, once you, once you went Ingram over Albert O, um, I was kind of like, it's, okay, it's going to be hard to find a fringe tight end one that actually beats Evan Ingram. Yeah, for you. Uh, yeah. it's tough. Like I said, I don't talk about tight ends very much if I can help it. I try <laughs> to just, uh, I don't know, if I... I just I, I like a lot of Mark Andrews in drafts right now, just because um, he's produ- he's a good production, uh, good combination of production and relatively young. He's twenty six, just have like 19, 20 points per game in tight end premium. I like that. I mean, I'm into he's, that. He's also the only tight end uh, putting up an alpha target share, at least last year. Um, right, he's he's damn good, you know. He's because I mean he's not both. He's probably both of our dynasty tight end two if we did rankings, Andrews. Yeah, but mm-hmm. in terms of like he is someone that it makes a ton of sense why you have so many of because like Pitts we both have at one. He was a rookie, so he only put up a twenty percent target only only a twenty percent target share as a rookie, but <laughs> only, so, but only a thousand at, yards for a tight yeah. end as a rookie. <laughs> only one of the best seasons ever for a rookie tight end, but. So then Andrews um, is at a 25% target share, which is like right where, mm-hmm. we're, where alpha range is. And then guys like yeah. Kelsey fell into that 20 to 23. Kittle mm-hmm. fell into that 20 to 23. Waller fell into that 20 to 23. And it was pretty for all of them pretty much. Yeah, and then the rest uh, below that, like the Fant, Goddards, those are mm-hmm. all like 20, 18, 17 to 20-ish, like Hawkinson, like – Right. That group. So Andrews is really, besides what we expect from Pitts, Andrews is the only tight end out here putting up alpha target shares. Tight end premium is just uh, a lot of people think that it's like a boost for all tight ends when it's really no. not. It's like a big boost to the top tight ends. And then yeah, it's a okay uh, mediocre guys. Yeah, the tight end premium thing's actually like, like Which I is think why I find people think of it wrong because I see a lot of people say like, Use tight end premium because there's not a lot of good tight ends, and this mm-hmm. makes that no. It just that separates, only, the only it thing separates the gap it. between the big ones or the good ones and the bad ones. Exactly, and the only thing it really helps with if you, if you want to do bully tight end and start flexing tight ends, like I've done, I've gone bully tight end in multiple leagues where I have mm-hmm. like and I have Andrews Kittle in one. I have like 
Kelsey Waller in another, and like that that feels good putting in your lineup because oh, then yeah. you're getting great production there. Yeah, and, and you're getting, grabbing a lot of them because I don't know. I just feel like getting that advantage at tight end is a lot more useful for me than like taking a stab at that tier that has like ten receivers from CD Lamb, like who's wide receiver three for a lot of people, all the way down to fifteen, which you could sometimes slot Godwin in. It's like it's a big tier, and I just find myself pivoting the tight end there a lot. If I'm not going after DJ Moore or Deontay Johnson, I think tight ends in tight end premium in general actually get like undervalued um, mm-hmm. because guys like Kittle, Kelsey, Waller still are putting up like anywhere from 16 to 20, probably 16 to 18 points per game. And then these wide receivers like CD Lamb, kind of that range of wide receivers is putting up like 12 to 14, 14 to 16, but they're still yeah. really good. They have a lot more stability. Like, the attraction is there in Dynasty. I get that. So yeah, you get for when you when you load up on these the early tight ends, you get a big advantage uh, at tight end and a, a bigger advantage than you get when it's not tight end premium because of the boost to the guys at the top, and you get a, you can get more production. Uh, yeah, some of the other wide receivers. Andrew's yeah, I, a, a bit older, but he's not that much older to the point where I'm like fading him for age that much. He's 26. Good. He's have entering you been, prime have you been able to grab him in the third round at all? Yeah, I got him uh, in the third round once. It was like this uh, free league with a bunch of people who aren't haven't played Dynasty much. I got him in the third round, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, I feel really good about that. I and then too, I grabbed yeah. Russ in the fourth round, and I'm actively trying to ship him around because right. I got him such a steal. Yeah. The one guy who has pits, I don't know why, I don't. Uh, but he's like, no, I don't want Russ. He's falling off a cliff. Oh. No, he hasn't. He hurt no. his finger once and he's fallen off a cliff. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was, you know those uh this year, so he's thirty-three years old. Mm-hmm. His finger, the mount finger, was the first, first time he's missed ever game. missed a start. Right, exactly. Ever. He's, so yeah, he's I think he's and even with mount finger, he came back like way sooner than we thought. And then it hurt his production and everyone yeah, and some people are like worrying back. about that. Nah, he had, he still had like twenty three points per game. Um, yeah, and he, he came game. back much quicker than he should have. Is what right. I, I he'll mean, be fine. He'll be a good produ- producer. He'll be a low t- uh, quarterback one or probably even a mid quarterback one. Oh, yeah. I think Russell Wilson's probably undervalued. Yeah. In Dynasty right now, it feels like it. But uh, back before I forget. I think uh, the, o- the only concern for Russ would be the fact that as he gets older, there's probably going to be a dip in rushing, but yeah. he should be okay because he's still an efficient passer. Mm hmm. Really efficient passer. And not just that, I think another thing that. Uh, isn't being talked about when it comes to Russell Wilson, especially in fantasy, is this move might actually be good for him as much as it pains <laughs> because me to say he that. leaves the dead ball off because he leaves Pete Carroll, who Russell Wilson, one of the best passes in the league, he won't throw the ball 30 damn times a game. <laughs> like there was yep. one year with Russell Wilson, we threw the ball 26.7 times per game. The like week three the, years ago. This is the fandom anger coming out. Yeah, this you guys I mishandled mean, Russ's prime so hard. Yeah, and not just that. The Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke were still passing more than the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. It just make it make sense. So it make <laughs> like it makes perfect sense that when he goes to Denver, he's probably gonna at least throw the ball like 35, 36 times a game, especially in that division when he's gonna get in actual shootouts and Pete Carroll won't be wanting to rush the ball in the, the fourth quarter with Rashad Penny or Chris Carson or even DJ Dallas. Yeah. Because 
that they're going to be going up against Patrick Mahomes twice. They're going to be going up against Justin Herbert twice and Derek Carr can still get in some shootouts. So, I mean, and they have like, I don't get too much into situation, but apparently I am right now, but like Nathaniel Hackett. So they bring uh, Aaron Rodgers, so an offensive guy over from Denver. So it's not even like he's going to have a defensive guy that he's had at head coach his entire career. Like, yeah, it, it just seems like the volume for Russell Wilson is just going to go up basically in every way. Yeah. yeah. The only yeah, thing yeah, I guess yeah. is the only thing is, I guess that the, uh, the weapons get a little worse. No, it's you trade off like the uh, two studs that you have in Seattle, and then mm-hmm. no one else for a good wide receiver one, a good wide receiver two, good wide receiver three, and a, a good tight end, and also a good running back. So it seems like a fine trade off. Yeah, I mean, he, the only thing he really loses is that uh, alpha DK Metcalf, I would say. Yeah. Um, but that's likely to get uh, replaced and probably he can spread the boosted. ball around fine. Oh he'll, yeah. He'll still be productive. Very good at that. Yeah. Oh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> Simple as that. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Chase Edmonds. That was a, that was one that excited me because, uh, you know, I don't talk about running backs much. Some would say it's prohibited. Uh, I like to joke that I signed a contract that doesn't allow me to talk about running backs, but I don't think that it's prohibited for me to quote Jacob Sanderson who was saying that he really liked uh, Miami's wide zone scheme for Chase Edmonds and that he has good potential in this. He'll be a good pass catcher for them. Um, they bring over, they brought over Mike McDaniels, who was one of the, who led one of the best um, run games in the league over in San Francisco. And so I think that Edmonds there can be quite productive. And then I think probably, probably a career high um, year for him in points per game. Coming. I, I don't know what, off the top of my head what he had last year, but I would expect good. Like this, uh, this last year was actually his uh, his career high. I figured eleven point nine. I think. Well, I think we see like twelve um, plus in Miami. You think? You think we see that? Yeah, 12, 14 points yeah. per game. So can I? It's not today. Can I ask you uh, t- two? Um, would who would you rather have with Chase Edmonds here? All right. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, let's do it. So Chase Edmonds or Rondell Moore? Um, uh, that's I think. I think that's uh, a tough one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's uh, I Edmonds think Edmonds. I think Edmonds. I think I'll take the two hundred three there. Okay. Okay. I I also would take the two hundred three, and then I'd do the same thing you did in uh, the Edmonds Rondell question. I'd be like, ah. damn, that's I tough. I feel like if what I'm if giving up Edmonds to get Rondell straight up, I don't <laughs> want to do it. And I feel like if I'm giving Rondell to get Edmonds straight up, I don't want to do it either. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird trade. What if we see? Rondell Moore become the RB two in uh, Arizona. That would be so funny. I uh, he would probably have well, actually, put Rondell and Chase Edmonds role and see what happens. Make it happen. I oh shoot, I'm actually kind of. Uh, I don't track a dot for uh, running backs on my sheets because I was gonna see um, what Chase Edmonds was and what Rondell. Well, I know what Rondell's is. Well, it, yeah, Rondell's is one point two. All running backs are gonna be between like negative two and like two. Pretty much, unless you're Cordero Patterson, that's like right, exactly, or Christian McCaffrey. His is like usually like four. He runs up, yeah, he lines up out wide a lot. Runs um slants and stuff. He's a great receiver. Oh, I think of course so everyone knows that show. McCaffrey's a great receiver. I don't need to tell you that, dear yeah, viewer. Yeah. Last couple points, uh, Jarvis Landry. Uh, a lot of people have been hating on him. I've been uh 
catching a lot of flack on Twitter for saying that he could still be good. He still has potential. I caught flack from Drew a couple a couple weeks ago. He put me on this train of still liking Jarvis, and I just traded for him in a league. I traded Deami Brown for him. I uh, love that trade. I'm just getting some production. He could land in the offense that passes a lot. He could turn into like a possession possession chain mover guy, even if he has low A dot. Even if he runs a 5-0 at this point, he's still going to probably earn targets at a decent rate and um, just get peppered with low A dot targets sometimes. And so I'm into that for free. And so I'm still liking Jarvis Landry in um, Dynasty for really cheap prices. All right. I think that's it. You got any more final points for the people? Um, if you can get LaVisca Chenault for a third, get LaVisca Chenault for a third. If you can get Deontay Hardy for less than a third, get Deontay Hardy for less than a third. And, uh, oh yeah, right. After every episode, I'm just going to end it with, um, a reminder to go buy Hollywood Brown. So go ahead and, uh, go do that. Go do that. Anyways, thank you so much for listening, watching wherever you are. If you're on YouTube, uh, remember to go down, hit like button. It really helps us out. We really appreciate it. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel because we're going to have a lot of, uh, a lot more podcasts coming out weekly from now, covering all the off season stuff. And I think we're, we're going to be still doing it when the uh, season comes back. And so be sure to stay tuned for that. Um, if you're listening on any of the streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple music, et cetera, um, the thank you for listening. Um, remember to save our episodes and uh, so that you can, I think you can follow on those platforms. I don't use them a bunch, but if you follow, you get notified when we post a new episode. So thank you. We appreciate that. Thank you for listening and watching. Uh, goodbye. Have a good one.